International Gospel Chamber, let us receive the Reverend Chris McTelfi. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So you're welcome. God has given us life. I appreciate that life. I believe by the Spirit of God we are going to share something that is very core to the Christian ministry. Now, let me give you a background to this thing that I'm going to share with you. No true story is told until the story behind the story is told. I hope you understand that. Did you get it? Fine. There is something I was praying at the beginning of the year. I was in a 14-day fast and I told God I needed certain things for the church. All I was trying to do was to have the hand of God or the backing of God upon the church or the ministry. And I was seriously petitioning God that God will send us marriages God will give us enviable testimonies. While I was praying on the first day through to the tenth day, God never spoke to me. But I was seriously engaged in the arts of prayer. Then on the tenth or the eleventh day, the spirit of God impressed on my heart. And in a revelation, God told me that he is not going to grant the petitions or the request I have laid before him. He told me point blank, I'm not going to do them. And I said, why have I not prayed enough? Or there is something I need to do which I'm not doing. And God said that until my people return to what is called to my heart, I will not also do for them what is dear unto them. So God began to impress on my heart and on my spirit to start raising the church to arouse the intellect the mindset of the people and the convictions of people to that which is so dear to the heart of God. And God told me to teach about the purpose of salvation. And from that time, from the 14th of January till now, wherever I've been to, I've been preaching strongly on the purpose of salvation, the reality of salvation. Because before this time, all I understood salvation to be was that my soul is redeemed and waiting to be raptured into the presence of God. But God showed me from scripture that the purpose of salvation is not that. Now, wherever purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And until a man discovers his purpose in the assignment or in the journey of life, he can never be said to be successful in this life. We can say that you have accomplished much or you have accomplished something, but for you to receive the well done that will come from the hand of God or the mouth of God, you have to be successful in the assignment of God. And that is what we are going to look at this day. I know that you have been through fasting about 40 days. You have petitioned the heavens, you have prayed, you have sown seeds, you have averted yourself to all those things. But the point is, if we are to count about 90% of the petitions you presented before God during those 40 day fast have not been answered. And if you take about 5 to 10 years of your Christian life 
or maybe two years of your Christian life in the midst of the seed sowing when faith was aroused in the midst of the prayer and in the midst of all those spiritual acrobatics and spiritual gymnastics certain basic questions have not been answered and the reason is pinned to what I'm going to share with you because we have come to church but we have not come to the house of the Lord when you come to the house of the Lord you have come to a place of empowerment you are not empowered for a successful life you are empowered for an assignment and until that assignment is number one discovered until you are prepared for that assignment and number three until you apply yourself fully to the discovered and prepared for assignment you can never have the provision of God you see provision is from two words pro and then vision pro simply means before the vision before the vision or for the vision the givings of God are for the visions of God if a man is not set on the path of God he will not have the provisions of God that is why Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life in the way you find truth in finding truth you find life the entrance of your word, O God, brings light, making the simple wiser. I subject myself, O God, under your leadership this morning. Speak through my vocal cord, O God, and think through my mind. None of me, but all of you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, in the NLT, please. And we know that in all things, God works for, for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose? Who have been called according to his purpose? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through to 20. I'm talking about now that you are saved. That is the title of my sermon. Now that you are saved. Now that you are saved. Romans, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through to 20. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, the purpose of God investing himself in you is for you to have a ministry. It is not a ministry of breakthrough, but it's a ministry of reconciliation. So, he has made you a minister of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, Paul said that God has made us able ministers of the new covenant. So the new covenant is a covenant of ministry where everybody who comes is a minister or a worker. Not only the Levitical priests are the workers in the house of God, but everybody who enters the house of God is a minister, but he is a minister of reconciliation. Verse number 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Every ministry has a message. Every message has a power. Move on to verse number 20. We are therefore the ambassadors of Christ. As though God was making, uh, God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Take your seats. Purpose is key. To everything in this life purpose is key to everything in this life but 
the purpose of a particular product determines its designs the materials to be used the purpose or the functions that a particular product is to perform determines the kind of materials to be used in making that particular product so man in Adam sent and God has expelled man from his presence then in the person of Jesus Christ God now sends him to come and redeem man because to redeem something is to buy back or to buy now Jesus came and died on the cross he shed his blood for our redemption that we will be bought from the power of sin that we will no longer become slaves unto sin and the desires of sin but we will now become instruments in the hand of God for the advancement of the agenda of God so salvation now becomes man's redemption from the anger of God which is called judgment so when a person is saved that person has been redeemed or bought from the anger or the condemnation of sin he has been bought from the anger of God that is why whenever somebody is saved or somebody becomes a Christian God doesn't hold the person's sin against him anymore so Romans chapter 8 verse number 1 says that now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because they have come to Christ one of the relatives of salvation is that they have been delivered from the power of sin and death so whenever we are saved we are redeemed from these things but for what purpose for what reason did God send his only begotten son to come onto this earth to suffer the death of a criminal he came to save us not only for our souls to be translated or to be transported to heaven as a matter of fact you have no business in heaven everything that you need to do then and everything that god wants you to do in this life is to be done on this earth because psalm 115 verse number 16 says that forever oh god the highest heaven belongs to you to unto thee but the earth you have given to the sons of men that is why john said that i saw a new heaven and i saw a new earth now let me first of all start with you on the reality of salvation that is the power of salvation before i move on to now that you are saved some of you we teach you we tell you stop sinning and you find it so difficult to stop fornicating you find it so difficult to stop lying why you don't believe in the power of salvation now the reality of salvation is this number one when a person is saved he is invited or to share in the nature character and life of christ when i am saved it is an invitation for me to enjoy or to be a partaker of the nature of god not only the nature of God, the character of God, not only the character of God, but also the very life of God. Now, whenever you become saved, or whenever you are saved, now I came from the earth. God created the earth. Now, where did God come from? We don't know. So he said, when you go to the people, tell them, I am. If they are looking for business, I am. If they are looking for something in yesterday, I am. If they are looking for somebody to pull them out of their negative past, I am. So whenever a man is saved, he is delivered from his negative past and he is also preserved in his present and he is also positioned 
for an enviable place in his future. So the reality of salvation is this. Whenever any man is saved, that person becomes a partaker of the nature of God. And the nature of God, number one, is holiness. So he said you should be holy. Now, how can God place the demand of holiness on a sinful man? God can never tell a sinful man to be holy if the seed of holiness is not planted in him. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. Now that I am not with you, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling? Verse number 13 of Philippians chapter 2 answered that question for us. That it is the Lord who has given us the will and the power to do that which pleases him. Why? Whenever we become saved, the seed of God comes into us. It is a seed of holiness. First John 3 verse number 9 and 10 says that whosoever is born of God cannot keep on sinning because the seed of God in him is in him. It is the seed of holiness. That is why we call the Holy Spirit the spirit of holiness. So the moment a person is saved, Holy Spirit comes and indwells in him. Comes and makes his abode in him. And because he is the spirit of holiness, the reality of salvation is that now God gives you the desire now to live a holy life. Then you stop lying. You stop sinning. You stop the exaggeration. You stop fornicating. You stop all kinds of negative things. Why? The seed of righteousness is in you. So when a person is truly saved, he has a desire for righteousness. That is why Jesus said, Blessed are those who long and thirst after righteousness. For they, they, they shall have a feeling. Am I doing okay? Are you checking with me? If I'm going fast, because I speak fast, then, but I can never speak faster than apostle. Hello. So you are used to this kind of preaching. So that's the number one reality of salvation. Whenever I am saved, I have the nature of God in me. I have what? The nature of God in me. So salvation is not an experience that takes your soul to heaven. But salvation is an invitation to enjoy the God kind of life. The God kind of life, we don't enjoy it because we are in need. No, we enjoy it because of association, because we have now covenanted with God. Salvation is man's covenant with God. And it is God's invitation to man to come and share in his life. And the life of God is eternal. That life doesn't die. That is the eternality of God. He doesn't die. Hello? The second reality of salvation is this. Whenever any man is saved, that person is delivered from the empty way of life. So, we are praying and dealing with generational curses. Most of the people who are praying and dealing with generational curses, they have never been truly saved. They are not truly saved. But they only came to church and some, a prophet told them, you have this curse, you have that curse, you have that thing in your family. And they begin, you see, the conscience of those people are aroused to prayer. And whenever a man who is living in sin is praying and it is not a prayer unto repentance, it is noise in the ears of God. And whenever a sinner is fasting and it is not a fast unto repentance, it's a hunger strike. So your fast should be unto repentance and your prayer should also be unto repentance. And the moment I am saved, give me 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. 
First Peter 1 verse 18. In the Amplify. First Peter 1 verse 18 in the Amplify. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Okay. You must recognize that you were redeemed, that is ransomed, from the useless, fruitless way of in, of living, inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver or gold. 19. But you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. So the moment I am saved, this is the reality of salvation, that it gives me access to enter the God kind of life. Not only that, I am also translated, I am also taken away from the curses in the family that I naturally belong to. Colossians 1 verse 13 says that, and now, you have been translated, not transported. When I transport Wafa from he is here in Amakom. When I transport him from Amakom to Accra, nothing about him will change. But when I translate him and he gets to another place, everything about him will change. So salvation, thank you. So salvation is not transportation from one kingdom into the another. It is a translation. Colossians 1 verse 13. So the moment you became saved, you switch camp. Should an MPP MP decide now to decamp? Now he's an, uh, a member of parliament on the ticket of MPP in the parliament of Ghana. When the person decides from this day, I am no longer an MPP man. Over there, they will not say, ah, take your chair. Go and join the minority. They will never say that. He will go and sit there, but they will go to his constituency to run another election. Why? There has been a transaction. There has been a transaction. You were affected by curses because you were living in sin. Now, you have decamped. You have moved. When I moved to U.S., the laws of Ghana don't work over there. I am brought under a new domain, under a new jurisdiction, under a new rule, under a new president. My uncle Donald Trump will be the president when I move to America. Should an American come to Ghana, President Anekofuado will be the president and the laws of Ghana will be binding on him. Jacob went to his uncle's place and he saw one beautiful woman and said, ah, this is the woman I'm going to marry. And the uncle said, for seven years you are going to, that is the brother price you are supposed to pay. And he paid. Then Jacob was there in the night when the uncle brought the wife. Lo and behold, for when he unveiled the wife, he saw that that was Leah. And he said, no, I never worked for this woman. He said, over here, these are the laws. So the moment you become saved, the reality of salvation is that you are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So whatever pertains, whatever works in the kingdom of the enemy, whenever you come into Christ, those things don't follow you anymore. They don't follow you anymore. But the point is, if it was useless over there, if you were having an empty way of life, if you were having promises and failures and all kinds of things in the former kingdom, 
Because you are now in the kingdom of God, all those things, they lose their control over you. Because the enemy is no longer your master, but the master is Jesus Christ. So Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come. So when you are in the kingdom of the darkness or the enemy, when you are living in sin and your life has not been given to Jesus, you are affected by death, you are affected by theft, you are affected also by destruction. But when you come into the kingdom of Jesus, you are affected by life. The NLT says, but I have come to give you a rich and a satisfying life. John 10 verse 10. Are you tracking with me? Let me give you the third reality of salvation then I move into the second thing I want to talk about. Now, whenever you are saved, you are empowered for life. Salvation is an empowerment to live life. Whether life in the natural or life in the spiritual. So I, I find it so difficult when Christians are living in fear. When they are living in fear, it is because they have not truly been saved. Look at 1 Timothy 1 verse number 12. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me what? Strength. He has what? Christ doesn't empower you in your sin. He doesn't empower you in your sin. Christ doesn't empower anybody in his or her sin. He doesn't do that. The moment you become saved, the moment you were truly saved, you receive the power of God. What was that power? It was the power to live in hope. In verses 1 and 2 of 1 Timothy 1, Paul said that Christ by his royal command has given us hope. Or we are, he has, Christ has now become our hope. Whenever I become saved, I have a hope to live in this life. I don't become despair. I don't live in desperation and depression. The moment I am truly saved, in, uh, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 1 and 2, the original Greek translation says that by the royal command, by his royal command, that is a royal commandment that whenever I come to Christ, he becomes my hope because that person shares the DNA of God. That is the reality of salvation. In the brevity of the time, that is why I'm just three, three is enough. A case should be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So at least three, I've gone beyond the, I've fulfilled the required number of scripture. Now that you are saved, you should understand these key things. My brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. Most of us, we are praying. We are believing God for jobs, for businesses, for breakthroughs. For what? James said that you ask and you don't receive. Because you ask amiss. That you will spend them in your pleasure. You are not asking that you will spend them to the glory of God. When a man is believing God for a faithful wife or obedient children or healthy children, he is not doing that so that he will have time to go on the mission field. He will have time to go out there and witness about Christ to the unbelievers. He is asking all these things so that he will have time to visit the park and watch football matches over there. When it comes to that, oh God will give you one troublesome one. You're a child or a man or a woman and you will spend the whole of your life praying. Hannah went to God and Hannah said, God give me a child. Nobody knows the number of years that Hannah asked that God would give, him a, give her a child. But Hannah went one day and said that if you will give me a male child, I will give the child back to you. And God said, now you are talking business with me. Let me now transact it. He called the angel sign. And he signed that. The purpose of salvation number one, salvation is a call into ministry. It is, hot. It is a call into ministry. And ministry is work. Every believer is a minister unto the gospel. How many of you have heard of Nabil Qureshi? Okay, if you've been following um, Ravi Zacharias, 
This Nabil Qureshi was a Pakistani, a Muslim, a medical doctor. Young, very intelligent. But he was on the debate club, the same club with one David Wood. David Wood was a normal Christian, not a pastor, not a youth leader, a normal, ordinary Christian. But he understood that he was an ambassador of Christ. So on one of their programs, he shared the room with Nabil and he began to reason with him about salvation. There are so many of us, we don't see the essence of our salvation as a call into ministry. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 15, uh, 17, Paul said that when a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creation for what? Heaven is not the only reason for which God called you. If heaven were the only reason for which God called you, you should have died the very moment you truly repented of your sins and made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Why did he keep, why did he keep you? The essence of your salvation is not for you to have a good husband or to live a, a good life. There was a man. They tried all ways to save this man. He was not even saved. He fell sick. On the sick bed for about 10 years, he was bedridden. For about 10 years. That was when Christ appeared to him. That was when he knew Christ. So when the pastor went there, he said, man of God, save your words. I am now a saved man. If being sick would have taken me into the joy of the Lord that God through this misfortune has turned me to my joy that I now stand in the presence of God and this man began to tell them about the visions of heaven that the pastor had only read of but had never seen salvation is a call into ministry you are called into the ministry of God Paul said that Christ has saved us he has delivered us from the empty way of living. Matthew chapter 11 verse number 28. Jesus said that come unto me all of you who carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. And the reason he's giving you rest is in verse number 29. And in verse number 29 he said that come and learn of me and take my yoke upon yourself. And first John also said that the commandments of God or the burdens of God, they are not burdensome. God helps us to carry the burden. Since you became a Christian, that you are waiting for you either to die or Jesus to come. You see, most of us, we are not waiting or we are not preparing for death. We are only waiting for Jesus to come and take us or for Jesus to come. Since you've been waiting, who is your evidence of your salvation? Who is your fruit? Paul could say that you were the first fruit in Achaia. He spent his life over there. David Wood. I didn't even know David Wood until when Nabil died and I was watching CBN and I saw David Wood being interviewed on CBN and I said, okay, who is this guy? Let me go and look and read about him. I went on YouTube and I searched for his videos and he began to talk about Nabil. Let me tell you this, when Nabil was, he was diagnosed of stomach cancer, the last stage, the fourth stage. So he had about 11 months or so to die. Do you know what he did? He told them, take me out of the hospital. Let me go and preach. And for one year, God, they told him he had about 11 months to live. And for one whole year, he was traveling with Ravi and he was preaching. When you go on YouTube and you begin to watch his videos, you will see all the hair taken off. 34, age 34, age 34, age 34. We are living in comfort because we don't want our lives to be disturbed by the message of the kingdom. And God is telling me that anybody who spends his life in me becomes my investment and I will protect every investment wherever it goes. That is why the eye of the Lord is upon those who love and fear him. That is why the eye of the Lord is upon those who love and fear him. Look at Sister Miriam. You see, Sister Miriam just led one prayer, a praises and worship. 
in chapter 15 of Exodus, when they crossed the Red Sea, he took, she took her tambourine and she began to worship. After that, we never heard of Sister Miriam worshiping God again. Not that it was all men's game, no. If it were all men's game and all men's wealth, he, she would have been stopped the very moment she decided to lead the worship and the praises. Then one day, she sat in council against Moses with Aaron. God came and passed judgment. Acts 10, 34 says that there is no favoritism in God. He treats all people equally, but he doesn't treat all people fairly. Why? Aaron was now the high priest, the only high priest, offering unto God daily the sacrifices that God required or God demanded. And God said, leprosy is upon you, Sister Miriam. And for seven days, she was outside the city or the camp. For seven days. But Aaron was eating and dining and enjoying with his family. Why? He was important to the Lord. He was special to the Lord at that time. The number one reason for your salvation is a call into ministry. It is not a call like, you see, when we talk of ministry, eh, we think of, oh, my shut time, my bomb is suit, my young my baby, my This is not ministry. Where you find yourself, the unbelievers that you've been daily interacting with, who are those people? Have you spoken to them about Christ? You are the ambassador of Christ. When the heaven, when, whenever you, you are moving or whenever we see you, we see heaven in movement. Because an ambassador is a moving nation. Hello, I said, the essence of salvation is what? Is what? Is a call to what? Ministry. Young men, go outside there. Now read Pastor John Kilpatrick, if you've heard of his name. 1992. He said that he went to Korea. And in 1981 or thereabout, Dr. Um, Paul David Young was preaching. And he said that God is going to send a revival across a certain place. And he said, give me the map of the world. And when he was brought the map of the world, the places that he showed on the screen, America was part of that place. And it also coincided with the place that the man, this man, Pastor John Kilpatrick, was ministering or pastoring. And he said for seven years, he told the church, we are believing God for a revival. And every Sunday for two hours, we are going to pray. We shall start from seven and close at nine. All of you who are interested and are believing God and carrying the burden of seeing our people saved, come and join me. And they began to pray for seven years over there. But he said one day, read this book, When the Heavens Are, are As Brass. When the Heavens Are As Brass. That is the title of the book. You know what he did? He said on one Sunday when he, he was preaching, he saw a deep blue cloud in the church. And that was all. All of a sudden in a church of 2,000 plus people, the bank managers in their suit and with their briefcases, they came and dropped the briefcases over there. And when they began to open some of the briefcases, some contains packets of cigarettes of all sorts. Cigar, liquor, condoms, all kinds of things. People were bringing them over their bottles. They were, they were dropping them on the altar. That was when the revival began and it started. Look at the Argentine revival. Carlos Anacondia. These were people who started praying. Ordinary people. When they started the movement, meet me at the flag post. Ordinary students said, okay, where we position the school's flag, that is where we are going to meet every evening and we are going to pray. Students began to pray in their 
two, in their threes, in their fours, and in their fives. Then they increased in their tens, in their hundreds, and in their two thousands. And revival broke out. What are you doing? There are other nurses that you are working with at your workplace. When you see your salvation as a calling to ministry, that is why 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says that Christ has made us able ministers. Able ministers. Anytime we see salvation, it is associated with ministry. It is associated with ministry. Pastors, I challenge you. Your work is not only to come here and lead the Sunday school or lead the praises and worship and go. Your work here is not only to direct traffic and to be interpretation or to do other kinds of things. Your work is out there. Now, there are so many forms of ministry. I introduced something that I call prayer evangelism. And I challenge my church. Take your mobile phones. Open the contacts. Open your contacts. For about 30 to 45 minutes, put them on your altar or put them at your place of prayer. And begin to call the salvation power of God upon your contact. That those who are not saved, they will come to the repentance of the Son of God. Paul said in Galatians 4 verse 19 that my dear children I am traveling for your souls that Christ will be formed in you how many people are you praying for you see a young sister who has now joined the church you see very beautiful young lady but you could see that he, his, her soul is not committed to God what are you doing make her your prayer point and make her your agenda that until Christ is formed in that person I will not stop praying on, over, over her head when we begin to do these things, we have aroused ourselves to the service of the ministry. And when we do these things, forget about the things that we have been looking for. You will not even pray for those things. God will begin to ask and give them unto you. Now read Galatians 1, verse number 15 and 16. Paul said that I needn't be called an apostle. But when you read it, he says that it pleased God who revealed his son in me, not to me. So many people want to see Christ, but they don't want Christ revealed in them. Two and in, they are two different prepositions. It pleased God that he would reveal his son in me. To reveal his son in me, not to me. So the essence of Jesus, salvation, is the revelation of the person of God, the person of Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit in you, not to you. So stop fasting that you see angels. Begin to fast that the very nature of God will be made visible in you. Salvation is a call into ministry. Are you into ministry? Yes, I know, I know, I know. I've come to disturb some things in you. It's very good. Go outside there and begin to talk to people about Christ. Hello? Go there and begin to talk to them about Christ. My headmaster at secondary school, I went there and I saw that there was no SU over there and I decided to start an SU. You know what happened? The headmaster was an old court. He was the first person to show me the six and seven books of Moses. And he began to tell me some things. But I was at that time in SS1. And I mustered courage to preach to him about Christ. I said, sir, I don't know much about the things you are telling me of. But the point is, I don't believe in them. I was in SS1. When we established the first assemblies of God in our area, I was just there when some women came. The headmaster's wife came to me and said, I was praying and God told me to come and speak to us. I said, to you and who for? 
I said, you come, you see. When I went there, she had been able to gather about seven to ten women. And I spoke to them. One Friday, the Sunday we met. The following Sunday we met. Then we met again, we met again. And I said, okay, let's turn it into a church. And we turned it into a church. I was, at that time, a student, SS1. So we used the school's assembly hall to start the first assemblies of God over there. I led it for two years until they brought a pastor there. An intelligent boy like you should never be a pastor. That was what he told me. My head, a certain head, that was what he told me. But I recently went to the school. When I went there, and he saw me, he gathered all the students. The next three, they were about 450. Go and address them. The headmaster was there. They were all happy, and I addressed them. And the prophetic conscience also came upon me, and I began to tell them some things, things they should do. If they didn't do them, one of the teachers died. I was there when they called me again. I said, don't worry, I don't have the oil to deal with the current situation. I will come when the oil comes. Just last two weeks, they called me to come and be a member of the school board. Yes, they called me, Bismarck, we want you to be a member of the school board. Come. If I had been a medical doctor, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you want all your answers met, know the essence of your salvation. Salvation is a call into ministry. Let me say one or two things, then I close. I have a lot of things to tell you today. Now, watch this. Our salvation is work. And what is that work? The work of our salvation is we are empowered because 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, 6 says that we have been made able ministers of the gospel. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul told Timothy, Christ has strengthened me. Now when you read from verses 12 to verses 17, he spoke about him being empowered. He also spoke about him being appointed. He spoke about himself being chosen. So your salvation, God has chosen you. He has appointed you. He has also empowered you. And he has also appointed you to be an able minister of the new covenant. So wherever you find yourself, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, that you are the salt of this world. You are the one to bring preservation wherever you go. When they say that this church or this family, nobody marries successfully or legally and still has a baby. No, you say that, no, I am a preserver. I am going to preserve the family. Now that I am here, preservative power has been introduced into the family. Ezekiel said that, and I sought for a man, not man, one man. So you are beyond the required number to bring about preservation in the family when you are truly saved. So your salvation is an introduction of the preservative power of God in the family. So the moment you become saved, the whole family should also be secure. Not only that, in verse 14, he said that of Matthew 5, and he said that you are also the light of the world. The light of the world. He didn't say the light of the earth. The world over there is the organized system of structure, components, behavior. That is the world. Now, the world over there, no, is ethnos. It is out of that we have ethnicity or ethnic. So, in your respective ethnic community or in your respective family, you are the light over there. You are a city that can never be hidden. That is the reality of your salvation. That is the power of your salvation. So, now that you are saved, you are saved unto ministry. Go and do it. So many of you, you want to become perfect before you do the ministry. Forget it. For perfection, you will not attain in this life. That is why salvation is of three 
stages. He said that we were saved, we are saved, and we shall be saved. We were saved. That is the redemption of our spirit. It's, in, it's instantaneous. The second, you are saved. That is the redemption of our soul. Romans chapter 12. Be you transformed by the renewing of your word, or, or, of, of, of your lives, or your mind. The mind over there, we are talking about the soul. And the soul over there, we are talking about the mind, the emotion, the imagination, and also the feeling. These four components, they make our mind, or they make our soul. And we cannot change that within a day. We will change that within a, it is a process. The second stage of salvation is a process. But the last stage of our salvation is the salvation of our body. That was why 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 45 through to 57 spoke about. That we shall not all die. When Christ, the judge, appears, when the last trumpet sounds. Now when you read on, the Bible went on to say that death shall be swallowed. And how is death going to be swallowed? It's going to be swallowed because of the power of God. And death shall be swallowed. And when death is swallowed, immortality, and mortality will put on immortality. And when mortality puts on immortality, then we should know that the end has come. And that is the essence of our salvation. See, when you are called into ministry, you are not called to make people rich. That is not your responsibility. You are not called to go and prophesy to people. So stop praying for prophetic gifts. Start praying for converting power. When it comes, let me tell you, we went on a mission. Before going on the mission, I had a dream. And I saw that there was a faint city and we couldn't get in. We tried all we could and we couldn't get in. And it happened physically when we got there. So I went and sat beside a certain woman. I had no idea. And I began to talk to her. Not, you see, after speaking to her for about five, ten minutes, this woman got up, entered the chief's palace, not knowing that she was the direct daughter of the queen of the place. She got there, opened the place, and said, Come, 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 but she said it was the exact dream that she had and she'd been thinking about the interpretation of the dream. I did not only tell her the dream, I also gave her the interpretation. See, when you have a dream and you don't have interpretation, power is not developed. Power is developed through interpretation. So you can read the scripture and you will not understand the scripture. But the moment interpretation is placed upon that particular test, then power is developed. Church, your salvation is unto salvation. I will continue in the second service. So as many of you who want me to continue, join me in the second service and I will continue from where I've ended now or where I'm ending now. Am I in church? Are you with me? Let me give you a personal story, then I close. When I came into the faith, but I was so shocked. People would just come to me. the other person, no, the other no, I'm my then common sense came in. You see, not all common sense are spiritual sense. And until you begin to operate with spiritual sense, you will never have the spiritual commitment of God. There is a test I so fear. John 2, verse number 24. And Jesus knew the hearts of all men, so he didn't commit himself to them. I fear. 
John 2.24. I fear that test in scripture. The moment I started, and one another, do you know that time? I was always in the church praying for my senior pastor that there will be revival. And at times God will show me something. And I'll go, come for me, son, that you know you say anything, say God they are here. Not knowing they were prophetic words unto him. Sir, I kept on the moment those things stopped. So recently when I started, you'll be shocked. And I said, hey, man. I was so, you are like a mafia man. Before so, now I bless The book of Proverbs says that the roots of the righteous shall bear fruits. The root of the righteous shall do what? Bear fruits. It is not your branch that bears fruits, but the roots. So if you are connected to the roots and the root of your salvation is Christ, and the essence of your salvation is the settling of dispute that God has with people. That was what he said. Twasi, I sought for a man. Be the man that God wants you to be. At your workplace, be the man. Be the man. Be the man. We are going to pray a simple prayer today. And I want you to pray from your heart, church. We have been playing church so much with all the influences and with all the, 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 the power and the force of knowledge that we have in our generation. The, the church is still bankrupt. The church is bankrupt. Why? We are not committed to some of these things. Some of you, maybe you can't go out there to preach, but you can be here to pray one hour every day for the church that God be formed in the church. God, give revelation to my apostle that whenever he stands to minister, he will be able to preach well unto us. Church, and we have all kinds of things. There is power in the ministry. There is power in our salvation. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet.